1: And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loan Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loan. Supply simply, understand fully, a mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855 2124, CBS 855 212 Send the tweet, send them hot at Ken Carmen, C A R M A N. What a wet and wild, wonderful week 14 it's been. Dallas, they state that they're for real. I, I wish, and boy. Because it's so easy to make fun of Jerry Jones. I'm gonna admit something here. And go ahead and tell me when you're ready, Hick. Just tell me into my headphones, and then we'll get going with that here in a minute in a moment. But I just want to run this down real quick. One, it's so easy to bag on the Cowboys because Jerry Jones, and it's very easy to look at and say that he's the problem because he's one person, he's one figurehead, and you can go right after him. It makes it so much easier and so much better. And when he wins. Uh, it's so difficult to give him credit because he's an owner and owners should be seen and not heard, and I have to talk through my teeth. Because, yeah, him and Steven drafted Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott had, I know that he had a couple of bad turnovers, but he still had a pretty good game. I mean, 455 yards. I can't fart in the general direction of that. Zeke Elliott, they drafted Zeke Elliott, and they traded for Amari Cooper, who is, in the words of the great John Sterling about Doug Mankiewicz, he is having a renaissance, Amari Cooper is. 217 yards, the game-winning catch off the arms of Douglas. I mean, it was fantastic. And winners of five straight at eight and five, Taking a hold of the NFC East, yep, you got it, America. How about them Cowboys? Fine. You get to it. I don't get to call Jason Garrett what I want to call Jason Garrett, which is the ventriloquist dummy to Jerry Jones, but I do, and I've I've remained at least steadfast in this. I've given Jerry Jones credit to be patient with with Jason Garrett because when you have a guy who's willing to do your bidding, when you're in a man's power and you must do as he bids you, that means a ton to Jerry Jones. But I do give Jason Garrett credit because he's one of the few few coaches. I don't see him, and some Cowboys fans are going to disagree with this. That's fine. I don't see Jason Garrett make a bunch of excuses. Now, I covered Hugh Jackson for two and a half seasons. I, I saw him make a ton of excuses. I don't see Jason Garrett make a ton of excuses. He'll put things on his shoulder. He'll tell the truth the way at least I see it and the way that I, I hope that a lot of Cowboys fans see it. Obviously, there's disagreements there. But I I think that Jason Garrett has been steadfast enough to remain a good, strong-shouldered head coach. And while not a lot of Cowboys fans like him, a lot of Cowboys fans want change. A lot of Cowboys fans feel that he's the wrong guy for the future, at least felt that way until this last five-game winning streak. I got to give the guy a ton of credit. And I got to give the Cowboys a ton of credit, and I have to go after the Eagles and say, I don't know if anything needs fixing. Carson Wentz was good today. Your rushing game leaves something to be desired. You went back and forth and back and forth. Maybe you need a, a few more pieces from the wide receiver core. Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, in. you know, those type of things. I, I can't really leave a bunch of the doorstep of Carson Wentz. I thought that he was very effective today. Hey, you lost in overtime, 29-23, make a stop. And I just look at the I look at the Eagles and I think, man, maybe it's just one of those Super Bowl hangovers. It's just not your year. Just hasn't been it. Hasn't bounced your way. It's just not going to go your way from what it seems. You fought all the way back to 6 and 6. This was a big moment. You have captains talking trash, Hill calling the Cowboys a bunch of chokers, and then you're the ones who in the moment, in the spotlight in Dallas with a chance to snuff them out to put yourself right back near the tippy top of the NFC East and in turn Put yourself back into a driver's seat to get to the postseason again and to erase everything said. You're the ones that couldn't make the final stop. You're the ones that couldn't stop on third and short and fourth and short. You're the ones that couldn't keep them to a field goal. You're the ones who choked. You fight back, you give it up. You fight back, you give it up. You fight back, you give it up. And in the end, you're the ones who choke. So while you're going to have to take it on the chin, and it's sure going to suck to be you this week, you're going to have to wear this because you've earned it at 6-7 and seven now because there's a new hombre who's at the top of the NFC East. It sure as hell is in Washington. They're looking to see if Mark Rippon can come back for them, and it sure as hell is it going to be the New York Giants as Eli Manning got himself at least one win over the hapless Washington Redskins who are looking now for Heath Shuler to come back for them right now as another quarterback got injured. It isn't going to be either one of those two teams, and now it isn't going to be the Eagles at the top of the at the top of the mountain of the NFC East. As bothersome as it is for the rest of America, the Cowboys are the ones. I look elsewhere across this league. I see the Steelers, who now at seven and five and a terrible loss against the Oakland Raiders. I don't care if it was at Oakland. You have now had losses against the Broncos. You had the Jaguars, which you snatched a victory from the jaws of de- uh, jaws of defeat. You really should have lost that game, but. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, doesn't matter, they ended up winning. You go to Denver and lose. You lose at home against the Chargers. You lose on the road against the Raiders. You have Ben Roethlisberger who's calling out the uh, calling out the wide receivers and then doubling down, saying that he's earned the right to call out those wide receivers. You have the Le'Veon Bell fiasco that will continue to permeate if you can't find ways to win. And if any team in the AFC North was to be taken dreadfully seriously this year, the Ravens might have something with Lamar Jackson. The Browns look like 2019 could be their year to. Really- bounce back into this thing it looks like the Bengals are a hapless rudderless ship if anybody else still had the firepower you'd be an even more of an embarrassment than what you are because from what I see of the Pittsburgh Steelers are the same thing that a lot of Steelers fans see out there and I'll ask Brad Hopkins about it later on tonight and I'll ask you about it tonight because it's seven five and one and some of the things that you're saying about each other I don't even see this problem in Philadelphia, and they won the Super Bowl last year. You might see this problem in Seattle, except Russell Wilson has his team back in the playoff hunt where they really shouldn't be after Earl Thomas was giving them the finger after being carted off the field this year. What you have in Pittsburgh is a problem of a team that's won a recent Super Bowl, except they haven't won a recent Super Bowl. Guys are in it for themselves. Guys are thinking about their own personal futures, their own personal investment with it. And the Pittsburgh Steelers get over it on talent, based on talent. They'll still go to the postseason. They're still a tremendously talented team. They still are dangerous. They're still more dangerous than a lot of other teams out there. It's one of the highest firepower offenses that you could possibly find. Antonio Brown is a Hall of Famer that seems to float across the field. James Conner, before the injury, was fantastic. He should be coming back next week. It's still a good offensive line. It is still a very potent football team, or at least should be. And that's where the point of frustration comes in. Because you should be. At that level of where the Chiefs are being taken right now, where the Texans, even though they lost today, where the Texans are being taken right now, it should be youthful. It should be exuberant. It should be exciting. It's none of those things. It's hard to like a team where they don't even seem to even like each other and they don't even act like they do. At least some teams fake it. You don't even act like you do. And you have Ben Roethlisberger standing in there bloated and old and saying things about the rest of the team when you're supposed to be the leader of that football team. You'll leave it at the doorstep of Mike Tomlin because that's what we do in the NFL. We blame the head coaches because we can't just willy-nilly replace the quarterbacks. I know it, and hell, Mike McCarthy knows it. You know it, too and they'll blame Mike Tomlin, they'll blame his clock management, they'll t- they'll say all these nasty things about him and a lot of it well, you know, it'll be true in their eyes. But in this league where passing offense is at its highest it's ever been, offense in general it's been at its highest it's ever been. Play calling, we we are in a beautiful age of offense. Defense has it rough. No longer the rough and tumble game it's been. Now, you can argue about whether or not that's good for the game. That's not here what I'm arguing. But we're looking at an offense. We're looking at a league right now where it's at its most beautiful moment of play calling, of ingenuity, of innovation. We are seeing things completely different than we've ever seen before. We have finally started to break down the wall where young quarterbacks, no matter where they're taken, are starting to find themselves in the NFL because now We are no longer trying to fit square pegs in round holes. We are trying to put offenses around quarterbacks and making them play their very best and trying to, in turn, make our football teams play the very best and everything set up for the quarterback. So automatically, we'll blame the coaches. But for Ben Roethlisberger being the quarterback of this football team, there is a difference. There's a difference between being the best football player on the field, and Big Ben certainly is one of those. There's a difference between being prolific with the statistics, and Big Ben certainly has been that way. There's a difference between that and leadership. And right now, the Steelers aren't getting it. And with three weeks until the postseason, you'll look at the rest of the schedule, and yeah, you know what? You got the Patriots there. You got the Saints there, and you got the Bengals. You can still, if you're the Steelers, get into the postseason. Probably walking backwards, you can still get into the postseason, but I don't know how good anybody's going to think of you. And when I see some of these teams out here, even the ones that you're playing, I see real leadership. I see real guys who stand out there in the field and give hell to their team when they need to, give congratulations to their team when they need to, and actually lead. When I see Ben Roethlisberger... I see somebody who still has great talent but acts as if he is falling apart, old, bitching, over-the-hill problems that aren't even seemingly worth it anymore if he wasn't still so talented, and that's what makes it even more frustrating. The Pittsburgh Steelers should be way better, way better than what any of the storylines say and certainly what a 7-5-1 and one record shows. There's also something else I'm talking about. And Ryan, go ahead and hit it. Turn it up. Turn it up, Chef. It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me to my very first game. Said the Browns are going to show you how the game is played. Yeah, Here we go again. Hickey. Oh, Hickey. Yes. What do you think of when you hear this song by the great Michael Stanley and company? I think of Baker Mayfield leading the Browns to another win. That's right. Shep. Yes, sir. Turn it down a little bit so people can hear you. What comes to your mind when you hear this song, Shep?
0: Fourth, born on the 4th of July?
1: Why would this song remind you of Born on the 4th of July, Shep? That's one of the most awkward answers I've ever gotten in my entire life. If this is BS. Now, I don't mean BS as in like, well, you know what, like Bruce Springsteen. No, this is Michael Stanley. It sounds like Springsteen. No, it's Michael Stanley. There's a difference. One is from Asbury Park, New Jersey. The other one's from Cleveland, Bleepin' Ohio. Hickey, you know what's going to happen next year, don't you? What's going to happen? Are your Colts on the schedule? Are my Browns on the schedule? Is there a meeting together? Because you know what's happening, boy. Andrew Luck. At first, he was just happy to be here. Now the Colts are on their way back, and for the first time in over a generation, the Browns have a quarterback, boy. The Browns have a quarterback. They have a will in the words of the great Marty Schottheimer. Hickey, there's a gleam, man! There's a gleam. Love that glimmer of hope. In 2019, it's time to go out and get the gleam. I don't know if these teams are meeting at all. I have no idea what the schedule looks like, but I'm going to tell you right now, Hick. Sunday night football, can you imagine anything bigger? Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoy on the sidelines, Andrew Luck, Baker Mayfield, Cleveland, Indianapolis, from Lucas Oil Stadium or First Energy Stadium, right here in the month of December, how big could it be? Hickey, I ask you. Sign me up, baby, let's get there. As hot as hell, and the lid is about to come off. I gotta tell you, folks, for all you fans out there, for all you fans, and and I'll even admit, even though I just got done bagging on them, in Pittsburgh, in L.A., even though you're probably listening to your game right now, in in Green Bay, oh, my God, in New England, oh, Patriots fans. Now, I'm not making direct comparisons. I I understand. Trust me. I'm, I'm mentioning legends here. Kansas City. Chargers fans, I throw you into that lot. Philly fan, I throw you into the. I finally get to experience it. I finally know what it's like to have a quarterback. My last quarterback that I actually had was Bernie Kosar. I was five, and I cussed Bill Belichick up one side and down the other when he cut him. And here we are on the precipice of the final three games of the season. The Browns have actually won a handful of football games. I'm going nuts every Sunday. They're actually palatable to watch, fun to watch, and it looks like 2019 could be the year, Hickey, where they circle the wagons, the Cleveland Browns, the Indianapolis Colts. What is old gets washed out. What is new is here. Hickey, come with me. Own the conference with me, won't you? Let's go a step further. AFC uh, AFC Championship game next year, Browns, Colts. My top is about to explode. I am from 6 to midnight thinking between the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts. What a tune. Do you guys have any songs like this, Colts fans? Uh, no, no, nothing catches. Wait man, you're telling me John Cougar Mellicamp didn't put a song for the Colts? They're probably still in Baltimore by that point, I guess. I mean, Michael Jackson's from Gary, Indiana. That's close enough, right? That's Michael, close enough. Yeah. Michael Jackson didn't come up with a song for the Colts. I guess not. I guess he was too Damn. Damn! What? We're going to have to listen to this more than twice. I don't know. I might just keep it going the entire four hours. I'm sorry, Carolina. It looks like it sucks to be you. Poor Cam Newton's shoulder is killing him. That poor guy. <laughs> you want to talk about a guy who needs surgery. He looked like he was shooting a three every time he tried to throw the ball over even eight yards. Ron Rivera. By the way, is that the, the worst? Can I ask you, too, is that not the worst nickname ever? You don't like Riverboat Ron? He doesn't gamble. It's pretty bad. You act like he goes for Everybody acts like he goes for it on fourth down every single time and that he goes for two every single time. He doesn't. He does when his back's against the wall. So I guess, like, any coach who's desperate, maybe he would do something like that. It'd be like knowing sports, chef. Like, that would be the nickname. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. It doesn't sound good, but it doesn't make it it any more inaccurate. Just, well, no, well, Riverboat Ron sounds good if he was a gambler, if he was the gambler, if he was Mike Leach, like Mike Leach is the pirate. He seems like a pirate. If he was in the NFL and they called him Riverboat Mike, that makes sense. But just because something rhymes doesn't mean it's true. Sorry, Panthers fans. It sucks to be you. Christian McCaffrey's a hell of an all-around back. You're watching from the sidelines this year. And more than likely, so are the Browns. But, man, you look at 2019. Hickey, go with me, baby. Let's enjoy this forever. AFC, I mean, this could be the new you know, patriots colts rivalry. The browns colts back in the year. You better in, watch out. Year. If you're in Pittsburgh, you better watch your ass. If you're in New England, you better be counting the days. You better be holding on to him for dear life. Because Kansas City, Houston... Indianapolis Cleveland they're coming to take your life they're coming to take your soul here we go again all right big thanks to Hickey feels like a end of the show it's the first segment <laughs> big thanks to Hickey big thanks to Shep big thanks to Michael Stanley coming up next Kyler Murray had it coming both the award and the criticism it's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports radio Get on and let games begin. We Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855 2124 CBS. I was going to get the Kyler Murray. Long story short, on the criticism, I wanted him to win the Heisman Trophy. I think it's stupid that grown adult people want to go through someone's Twitter and put them on blast for something that they sent when they were 14 years old, real quick. However, I have to admit, we have to make an example because everyone needs to know that we live a very public life, even the most private of figures, and Kyler Murray was technically a private citizen at the time. He was a child, for crying out loud. But I think we have to understand that everybody's life is, no matter what we want, is basically basically public anymore. No matter how privatized we try to make it, I'll get more into depth coming up. So as much as I can't stand that grown individuals went and found somebody's tweets from five, six, seven, eight years ago when he was fourteen and fifteen years old, and I can't believe that quote unquote writers are doing that to milkshake duck somebody. But it is a valuable lesson. I'll get more into depth later on. Eight five five two one two four CBS. I'm gonna want to get Taylor in Philadelphia here. Wait, can can I ask you a question first? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I know you're a big Cleveland guy. No one's gonna argue that Mayfield is gonna. Hold on, hold on. Is this about what we're just talking about with Baker Mayfield? Yeah. I'm just just going back to. Okay. So so okay. So if Baker Mayfield. Wins in Cleveland. No one's going to mistake him for being the better athlete in legacy in terms of icon, world renown. But in terms of Cleveland, if he can win a Super Bowl, does he surpass himself in Cleveland, LeBron James? Does he surpass LeBron here? Yes. Yes. Here he will. Uh, now, in terms of just there, there is a social impact there with the school and, and the charity and the foundation and everything there. That, obviously, you can make the social argument. But I think with just the everyday fan, uh, Shep, LeBron even, I think, mentioned that. I think he might have mentioned that just a couple of weeks ago or maybe a week ago. where he Because he he says he's a Browns fan. Of course, he's been a Cowboys fan and he's been a fan of other things. But he says he's a Browns fan. I'll take LeBron's word for it. What the hell, right? Uh, he, he said it's a Browns town and when a Browns quarterback does well, if a Browns quarterback ever does well, it's been a long time since we've had any sustained success with one, that they surpass everything. And he would. I got nothing against LeBron. He won a championship in Cleveland. I wish him well. I'm not one of those. But if the Browns were to win something with Baker Mayfield, absolutely. Absolutely. Taylor in Philadelphia. You're first up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey, Kenneth. How's it going? Taylor, not terrible, my friend. Go ahead. Well, I got one thought. Maybe you can finish it for me. All right. We've got John Dorsey as our GM. We've got Baker Mayfield, our quarterback. We've got Chubb as our running back. And you know what? Hmm. Super Bowl! Super Bowl! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Taylor, thank you very much. <laughs> Shep has no idea, and Hickey has no idea about it. You'll have to look it up on Twitter. Let me try to get the John in South Carolina. I can give you like 40 seconds, John. Go ahead.
0: Hey man, what's up? I'm from Maslin.
1: John, and, um, by way of Maslin, right next to my own hometown. Go ahead. Right. Perry
0: Heights, as a matter of fact. But um, I don't think Brian's going to do nothing this year. But if they get him a damn coach. Uh,
1: no, what? What this year what is? Hell? Exact, John. What this year is? And actually, we're this is amazing. And thank you for the call. We are actually from the same exact township right there, um, which is interesting. They're not gonna they got three games left. I know that people have been saying that there's an outside shot. It'd be nice for Browns fans, but next year is the one where there's gonna be expectations. This is just fun. Actually winning games, a quarterback who can help them win games, an offense that's moving, good young football players. This is the fun of it. 855-2124 CBS Brad Hopkins joins us next. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up at eleven twenty PM Eastern, three up, three down. And there's going to be one that everybody thinks is having a great week. And I have to say, not so much for the three down part of it. But we'll get to that at 11.20 at p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. Joining us right now, one of the very best that you could possibly find, Brad Hopkins, former NFL lineman for the Oilers slash Titans host and analyst, SiriusXM. Find him all over Twitter at B underscore Hop72. Brad, we thank you very much for joining us, my friend.
0: Kim, good to be on with you. What's going on?
1: Uh, not too much, except for watching Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if there's such a thing as a moral victory. It seems like he's taken the reins of that football team, maybe long-term. What's your feelings with him?
0: Mm, Terrell Suggs don't, said don't call it that. We didn't come here, basically, uh, for moral victories. I think what they gained was a lot of confidence knowing that, you know, them beating up on some of the lower uh, teams in the conference, you know, kind of making some people question exactly how good they would be. They basically put to rest when they were actually very competitive against uh, not only one of the AFC's best but one of the NFL's best in uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it's a feather in their cap, but, you know, not near a victory as they would have liked it to be.
1: Brad Hopkins joining us on the show. Well, yeah, because he's, you know, he's a 15- or a 16-year vet, so I don't even think of a guy like him, but – it seemed that Joe Flacco was a healthy scratch. At least he seemed good enough to go. He might have still been banged up. Uh, maybe John Harbaugh tells a different story, but do you think that this is going to be Lamar Jackson's team in 28 or 2019, I should say?
0: I think it, it was it was a situation where they wanted to see what type of quarterback they could make from Lamar Jackson. And I think what they ultimately ended up doing is kind of like maybe through the injuries, of course, you know, catering things more towards Lamar Jackson's skill set. I'm even talking about schematically as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, he finished with 147 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but more specifically, he ran the football for 71 yards, which means they're using a different part of the playbook when him under center, one that they probably wouldn't have at their disposal if they had a Joe Flacco at quarterback.
1: Do you think that at least – because there's so many people, well, I don't know if he can do this, 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 this in the NFL – we're changing a lot of these offenses and changing them for the better to suit quarterbacks now instead of vice versa. What do you think that he absolutely has to, to bring to terms with himself as a quarterback to be a successful one in the NFL?
0: Absolutely nothing. Just keep doing exactly what they're training you to do. Bobby Petrino never used Lamar Jackson in the pure pocket passer capacity, um, probably because that's not how he even recruited him. But it's not to say that Lamar Jackson can't learn the intangibles of that part of the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. I think that when you look at John Harbaugh trying to be creative and still keep some of the things that are in favor for him when he's actually under center, he's also developing this young man's skill set as far as being a, uh, a a pocket passer. So I just think ultimately it's just a situation where you know this is done with him under center and just doing some of the things that he does in favor rather than trying to make him reinvent himself and do things you know, in a different way.
1: Brad Hopkins joining us on the show. Would you hold on to John Harbaugh if you were Steve Bishotti? Of course I would,
0: because with any young uh, transitioning player, you always have a veteran uh, that's savvy, experienced, and poised under pressure You know, to be able to kind of weather those storms that are going to come when you have a young quarterback that you're trying to develop. Now, will Joe Flacco be accepting that role? You know what I'm saying? Here's a guy that you know has won a Super Bowl with this franchise who has been the face of it for a long time. But he had to know that – I'm not going to say the writing was on the wall, Ken, but he had to know that there was something afoot when they brought in the quarterback that doesn't even have the same type of skill set that he has, nor um, Robert Griffin III has that he has. So they're obviously looking for a different element, a different dimension of that offense. Um, one that maybe a, just a step above what Joe Flacco was able to consistently get week in and week out, um, but I think that right now they may have had, had uh, discovered an answer to some of the questions they've had as far as developing that position and doing something different in the future.
1: Well, they're seven and six, and we know that the owner was talking a little bit about letting go of the head coach earlier this season. That that talk is kind of cooled right now, it, with with Harbaugh there, and he's been there, gosh, a dozen years now. Would you, if they made the playoffs, would you keep him or would you maybe move on? Because this is the third straight year they've had this conversation about this guy. And you're I talking love to him. A guy, yeah, I, I, I'm you, a fan.
0: <laughs> but you're talking to a guy that played over a dozen years with the same franchise. Yeah. I understand the ebbs and flows that come with the game of football, and it has nothing to do with our ability to coach the game. It's not like John Harbaughson forgot elements of what he, what he once to used to, to be successful. You know, a lot of times it's the Jimmys and Joes, you know what I mean? It's getting new people in those positions to be successful as well. Now mm-hmm. you've got to keep this, stay ahead of the curve and be able to coach and teach these techniques, scheme, philosophy, things of that nature. But at the end of the day, you know, coaches don't go out there and perform the t- the task of winning ball games, players do. And you've got to get the right groceries in place to be able to have that kind of success. John Harbaugh knows how to coach. I mean, he's shown that time and time again. I don't think anyone would question it. As a matter of fact, if you have any questions, go ahead and fire him and see how fast somebody picks him up. You see what I'm saying that—that's well, true. Indi- yeah, that's a true indicator of, of um, the effectiveness of a coach. If he's got a job after a year, then you know you made the right decision. But if they're already calling for him, asking him, what, you know, what, what his favorite coffee is before you actually even fire him, you might want to hang on to him.
1: I, I said this, Brad, and I'm in—I'm in the division. I'm in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. for a guy like John Harbaugh I would bike the turnpike down to Maryland to go get him and bring him back. Uh that's Absolutely. how much I would like him in Cleveland especially in the division. Is there such a thing though and you might have just answered this, but is there such a thing as, as a guy's voice going quiet or is that again maybe an excuse towards the players?
0: Well, going quiet is, is it's 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 not in that terms. It's not like, you know, um you know, it, they just stop listening. You know, he says the same things that may seem repetitive. I'm not saying John. I'm saying, a hey, coach, that's in that situation. Yeah. You know, basically, man, we heard that three years ago, you know, with the same emphasis. I mean, you're not going to do something different? You know what I'm saying? Um, if he doesn't then all of a sudden still retain the confidence of the guys as they get older, they see themselves getting better as players, you know, the more and more you play in the league. But do they see this coach is getting better The more, the more he coaches in the league? You know, those are some of the things that catch up to a guy. Um, but I don't think a message really going stale is the ultimate reason. It's just like players getting complacent players then pushing the boundaries of the limits that were set for them early on that ultimately end up biting them in the butt, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, the players just basically losing touch with who this guy is. And if that's the case, then maybe change is imminent. New coaches bring change. And that's ultimately what you want. It's just a different face.
1: Brad Hopkins joining us on the show. Um, who is the best team in the AFC right now? Mm.
0: I'm gonna think about that for a second. We did see the Steelers lose to a team that has been struggling all year. Normally I would say Big Ben's in that situation, as did Tom Brady on a crazy last-second pass, or a last-second play, rather, uh, in South Beach. Um, so the Patriots aren't one of my, I'm going to tap on the shoulder. I, I thought that basically the Chiefs were going to have a lot of problems um, with the loss of Kareem Hunt. Um, but they found a way to reinvent themselves, as good the teams traditionally tend to do. Um, maybe depth will be an issue at the running back positions, because I know Spencer Ware did lead the game at one point in time. You know, he did come back. You just don't want that to be an issue of mm-hmm. uh, making your team one-dimensional. But thank goodness they have a Patrick Mahomes that you know, throws the bean around like a baseball player and has mobility as well. So I would probably say at this point, it is the Chiefs' situation to lose. Just because some of the other teams that have normally been incumbents are just struggling at this point, and this is a this is the wrong time of the season in December to be
1: struggling. It seems that guys, especially this loss to Oakland, is pretty ugly, Brad. But yeah. it, it seems yeah. that Pittsburgh has the problems where it Le'Veon Bell is Le'Veon Bell. I understand, but guys want to get paid. Guys are talking about each other. You have guys blaming each other. It seems that Pittsburgh has the problems of a team that just won the Super Bowl without having just won the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I can see that analogy because of the expectant level of success that always comes with every Steelers team, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you've got mm-hmm. a veteran as as trusted, experienced, and savvy as a Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the game, regardless of conference. Uh, I can understand where those kind of expectations are warranted, but... You know, you just—I mean, there is a such thing as thinking, thinking, and if you're struggling against teams that are struggling, then it all of a sudden puts you in a position where, like, yeah, what's wrong with us? You know what I mean? And there can be that finger pointing and and things of that nature, but you know, this is the time where veterans understand these these difficulties, and they preach those words of wisdom to young guys to keep them focused and not losing track of the goals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what good coaches, good good veteran um, offenses, defenses, teams. We'll do to kind of keep things going because it's easy for us to then all of a sudden just start splintering and saying, hey, I'm doing my job, you know what I mean? I don't know about them, you know what I'm saying? But that never, ever, ever gets you to the point of winning. It's it's staying together collectively that is the way to do it, and you have to have those strong voices um, that are that are louder than the white noise, if you will.
1: Cowboys are eight and five. They've ripped off five straight. I have to give them respect now, don't I? Oh, you you mean the
0: Cowboys are the hot boys? <laughs> yes. That's what they call on defense you know they call themselves the hot boys
1: but it is a what? 400 um, degree defense right now brad it is 400 degrees <laughs> it is and and they also are getting 400 degrees out of the receiving
0: court now that is mm-hmm. mark cooper mm. and i think that when you look at um at at uh at steve and jones steve uh jones and and scott those guys his decision to bring in a guy that some people felt eh, I don't know what he's got left i mean he's a relatively young guy but it's yeah, I know he's had some thousand yard seasons the first couple yeah. of years, but yeah, we don't know what we're gonna get with this guy. Well guess what? He's happy to be in the big D. You know what I'm saying? He's happy to wear that star. And his productivity is showing it. Uh, he's evolving Dak's game. He's alleviating pressure from Ezekiel Elliott, which you know is their go to guy, and if he's dealing with things along with Zach Martin up front, which kind of make that an issue, you know, then you've gotta have a deep threat, somebody that keeps extra men out of the box and allows you to be able to score. And that's exactly what Amari Cooper is able to do, give you that quick strike ability of getting it into the end zone.
1: Brad Hopkins joining us on the show. Did you pay attention to the Heisman Trophy stuff last night? Of course I did. Of course I did. Did they did they give it to the right guy?
0: I think that what, in my opinion, Ken, it wasn't even close, being honest. Um, I think that Kyler Murray, in the beginning, was being penalized for a lack of defense. He ain't a defender. And at the end of the day, you know how you win ball games By scoring just one more point than your opponent. So while we might talk about not liking 72-74 games and 56-55 and all sorts of craziness, that's exactly what you want. And that's exactly what Kyler Murray gave us for the entire year. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa did something explosive for an Alabama offense that's just uncustomary. You know what I mean? They, Michael Oxley came in and said, hey, look, I'm going to get into the back of this playbook. I'm going to start throwing this rascal around and some explosiveness other than just handing it off to our running backs and getting the ball back with great defense. You know, they put the ball in the air it came out with big plays. And that's one of the assets that they did have. But I think that when you look at almost 900 yards of rushing offense, are you kidding me? 27 touchdowns. You know, um, this is a guy that, you know, that has pro coaches, you know, coming into the offensive beating rooms with Lincoln Riley does his work and says, Hey, what the hell are y'all doing up here? (laughs) I mean, we need, we need to find out what's going down that, or we need to get to Honolulu and grab us a quarterback. One of the other.
1: Brad, (laughs) Brad Hopkins joining us on the show. Now I, I'm glad I wondered if if Kyler Murray was maybe being penalized. You mentioned the defense. Is mm-hmm. it just maybe like uh, you can't have two guys win it win it back to back from the same school? Was that you part know, of it I, all? I
0: at all? Well, I looked at my wife right after um, after Kyler was named. and I said, "Dang man, uh, Lincoln Riley got two back to back Heisman Trophy winners." You know. Yeah, and you you can't deny facts. Facts are, this guy has created an offense or, or created a system and a way of doing things there that is innovative, it's refreshing for those for the little, the little big offense. And guess what? He got the Big 12 into the, into the college football playoffs. You know? So, <laughs> despite what you say about it, the I mean, facts are a stubborn thing. And, and maybe Tua is getting more credit than he deserved, not taking anything away from his electric season. And, but he is playing for Alabama. I mean, good lord! They were ranked number one from the very beginning, and and stand that way as this thing comes to an end. Am I right? So yeah, our the same thing. came into I think preemptively, you know, which might have made people lean towards him at the very beginning.
1: Hey, if you were Kyler Murray, would you play football or baseball? Thank hey, you would ask me that. See,
0: I understand the guaranteed cash. You know, am saying that, you know, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I probably will play baseball. There's there's more longevity. The money comes along with you. I know that's not why we play the game, particularly when you're an athlete of that extraordinary talent. I mean, that has options like that of playing football or baseball. But by and large, man, you know, if if you're looking to secure your future, the future of your family, um, the game of football is a tricky deal, and there are no guarantees—not to that level anyway. And there are even no guarantees that you're going to be able to finish when you talk about the violence, the unpredictability of the NFL. So. I'd say at this point, I mean, I understand him scratching his head, especially with winning a Heisman Trophy. You know, what if they beat Alabama? You know what I mean? Would he come back again? I mean, that might be a situation that's just, you know, too alluring for anyone to, to ignore. But, you know, his future isn't necessarily set in baseball. I mean, so what if he actually comes back? It's not like if he doesn't want to come out after he plays another year for Oklahoma, somebody in the baseball wouldn't draft him again because he's still the same type of player. Am I right?
1: So mm-hmm.
0: he, he basically holds all the cards.
1: Brad, I thank you very much for the time. It went by well way too quick. I appreciate it. All the best to you and yours, my friend. Uh, you too. Happy holidays. Same to you, buddy. The great Brad Hopkins joining us on the show. Remember, the toll-free line brought to you by Geico. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 50% or more on car insurance. Three up, three down, coming up in just over 20 minutes. Up next, some NBA. Sean Powell joins us. NBA.com. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.